Wednesday, the 26th of May, 2021. This is Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us momentarily. So we just peeled out from the radio show, and we were rocking out to Under the Sea, Under the Sea. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we lost uh, the voice actor uh, Samuel Wright, or Samuel E. Wright, uh, who was the voice of Sebastian in uh, in Disney's The Little Mermaid? And uh, excuse me, um, yeah, you know it was. Uh, he did a lot of different things over over the course of his career. Um, I remember seeing him in Dizzy as Dizzy Gillespie in Clint Eastwood's uh, movie Bird, uh, which was about Charlie Parker. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, he, he was a talented guy. He was seventy four years old, died of prostate cancer. And, uh, you know, public service announcement here, go get yourself checked, gentlemen, go check, uh, get yourself checked for prostate cancer. The next time you're, you're in the doctors for whatever reason, just say, oh yeah, while I'm here, why don't I do that? Um, it's, it's a simple little blood test and, uh, and they usually track something called PSA and it's good to know what your PSA number is when you are feeling normal and everything is fine and healthy. And then uh, over the years, if that number creeps up in any margin or, uh, you know, a a, a big way, then that's a clue that your body is producing antibodies and that there is possibly cancer growing. And the idea is catch it early and treat it early and it's 100% curable. So just be aware. And the only way to do that is to, to, uh, to look, to get tested and, uh, and just keep track of what your PSA number is and, you know, get it, uh, get checked regularly, you know, once a year or so when you go into your doctors. Um, but you think about it. I mean, even then, that gives you a year for it to grow before you might know the next time if something was just starting. So, um, you know, stay on top of it. Talk to your doctor about it. If you have uh, a history of uh, cancer or prostate cancer with men in your family, then then, um, you know, be aware of that and get checked even uh, earlier and more regularly. And so uh, your doctor can help you put together a plan on that. But like all cancers, uh, the sooner the better, the quicker the better. Uh, you know, just being aware of it is the main thing. Be aware of it and, uh, and get treatment quickly. And then you're usually in a much better position. Uh, if you let it go, um, it can be deadly. And there's no excuse for that. You know, there just really isn't. You know, you don't, you, know, you think about, oh, you know, I'll get to it. But, you know, you're dealing with your life and it's just not worth the gamble. So, um, you know, don't gamble, I guess is the bottom line. Don't gamble that way. Don't gamble that way. Um, so I was been watching basketball, and it's no surprise to people who are regular listeners. I am a Lakers fan. I was happy to see the Lakers tie up the series. They uh, are playing Phoenix, and Phoenix is the number two seed. The Lakers came in as the number seven seed. Um, and so uh, you, they play two games in Phoenix. Then I think they're playing three games in L.A. and uh, and then two more games in Phoenix if they're needed. And so, uh, you know, if you're the visiting team, you want to try to, I mean, obviously you want to win every game if you can, but, but you want to, you know, see if you can win one game on your opponent's court before you then come back home. And the Lakers um, did that last night. So they're tied 1-1 coming back to, um, 
to Lakerland to uh, play again. Now, the other L.A. team, the Clippers, have been playing at home, and they lost both of their games to the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So they are down uh, 0-2 and have to dig themselves out of a hole, and now they're traveling to Dallas to play games there. Dallas just needs to get two wins at home, and uh, and the Clippers are in a bad spot because they've got to win all, you know, or they've got to win uh, at least three of the four games there. They've got to win four games total, and they're already behind uh, two nothing. So um, the other other teams in the league, uh, Denver and Portland, are tied one one. Um, Utah and Memphis, uh, Memphis leads right now one nothing. Now Utah's the number one seed. Memphis is the number eight seed. Memphis beat them. Um, uh, they play again. Uh, tonight, and so we'll see if Utah can even even that up. But they've already lost home court advantage. So when they go back to Memphis for the middle games uh, after tonight, uh, Memphis won one while they were on the road, which is their goal. In the East, uh, Philadelphia is leading Washington uh, one game to none, and they play tonight as well. Uh, New York and Atlanta. Um, Atlanta leads New York again. That's the five seed is beating the four seed. They play tonight for their second game. They're also 1-0. The other two teams that are playing, or other two games going on in the in the West or, or series that are going on, Milwaukee leads Miami two games to none, and Brooklyn leads Boston two games to none. So, uh, and I'll tell you, um, you know, Milwaukee is looking very tough, and, and Brooklyn is looking real tough. So, uh, whoever wins in the East, or I mean, whoever wins in the West, is going to have a tough, tough road to hoe beating one of those teams. When they get, I think one of those two will be at the end. Here's Aaron. Hey there. Hi. So uh, I uh, did a quick rundown of the NBA finals so I could tell everybody who's playing where because I'm secretly reveling in the fact that the, the that while the Lakers won a game on the road against Phoenix and so they're coming back home now because uh, the, the series goes two games with whoever's the top seed at their home court, then three games with the whoever's the, the lower seed and then two games back. So you get four games with the top seed and three games with the lower-seeded team. And so for a lower-seeded team, your goal is to try to win one of those first two games at your opponent's court so that when you come back home, if you if you can hold court and win all three of your games at home, you, you've won it, right? So Lakers did that. They won one. They're tied one, one game apiece um, with Phoenix. The Clippers were the higher seed playing Dallas. Clippers are seeded four and Dallas is seeded five. And... Uh, the Clippers have been playing at home, and they have lost both games. And so now they're going into Ow. Dallas down two games. And I, I'm secretly slightly grinning. Not that I wish anybody ill will, but, uh, you know, being a Laker fan, you just you just can't can't root for the Clippers. <laughs> just can't do it. Can't do it. Sorry. And I've got friends who are Clippers fans, and, and they basically said, it's not that I don't like the Lakers. It's like I can't afford Laker tickets. And so I can afford Clipper tickets, so I became a Clipper fan. It's like, okay. All right, I understand the logic, but you know, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I've been a Laker fan for too many years. I couldn't do it, um, you know. So anyway, um, Clipper fans, sorry you're having a rough time. Laker fans, yeah, our team's waking up, booyah! But uh, you know, I, and quite frankly, whoever gets through the West, because the West is generally considered to be the tougher teams. Uh, the two teams in the East right now that are looking dominant, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, are looking really tough. And so I have my doubts that whoever wins the West will be able to beat either of those teams should they get to the finals. 
Uh, and unfortunately, after the first round, they're probably going to have to play each other. So one of them is going to get knocked out in the next round because they have to play each other. So they won't, you know, you, you would hope that they would, you know, the two strongest teams would make it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, and Philadelphia is not looking bad either, but we'll see. Um, so, anywho, um, before we go too far, we'll uh, go back and say, what, where did Rocky and Bullwinkle play college football? You want to guess? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know why. It should just pop right into your head. Uh, <laughs> it's um, Wasamata U. Oh my God! Wasamata, you. Wasamata, you. <laughs> God. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh. Wasamata. Yes, I loved all of those shows: the um, Super Chicken and Tom Slick, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I know I, Boris and Natasha. That was Rocky and Bullwinkle. They were yeah. Boris and Natasha. Yeah, they were the they were the, yeah. the uh, yeah. Nemesis, nemesis. The, the the Russian, yes, yes. Nemesis, Yeah, yeah. The Natasha had that sort of like scratchy voice. And they they both sounded yes. Russian when they're talking. Natasha, what are yes. you doing? Yes. <laughs> and then Snidely Whiplash and Penelope Pinstop mm-hmm. and you know Dudley all of those right. <laughs> Yes, an underdog. Yeah, with sweet Polly purebred. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We're showing our age, but you know what? We if are. you've never watched those shows, they are so good. Yeah. I mean, just funny, make you, you know, I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's their intelligent uh, commentary. I don't know, however, because there were a lot of. I was like Mr. Peabody and Sherman, too. Exactly. But so I wonder, I wonder how well it holds up. Like, mm-hmm. if I were to watch it now, would I find it as funny as I did? Yeah. Um, you know, because not not all comedy ages well, right? You know, and I've seen. I mean, on occasion, I've seen some, and the ones that I saw, I thought handled it well. Especially, like I said, you know, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, they taught you a little bit about history because they always went in the wayback machine, and so it's you true. Go back, and so those, you know, those are sort of timeless because their jokes were about history, and so you know, history jokes are always timely because they're all old. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. And and some of them, you know, like you said, it's it depends on what level you're saying do, do they work, right? Because they'll always work sort right. of on the slapstick level. Um, the question is, did some of the other that their their puns and more adult things work? And I think they did because they were they weren't always the most timely things to, to begin with, you know. They weren't making jokes about something that was happening in the news in 1958 too much. Um, there were some of that. You know, and I say 1958. I think these were largely the the 60s and 70s is when they were being made. But uh, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Before everybody got afraid to say anything, this is well before cancel culture. Yeah, Dudley Do Right. When comedians I'm, could be funny. Exactly. 1961 is when Dudley Do Right first appeared. Uh, yeah, and uh, he was a segment on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Mm-hmm. And it parodied yeah. early 20th century melodramas and silent films. So using, remember only, oh, they had like piano as the background, sort of like you would when you yes. do the, the, uh, the uh, melodrama stuff. If you, if you think, if you enjoy that kind of humor and it's funny, 
um, they have a, a they do a melodrama at uh, at Knott's Berry Farm where you can go and watch them, and it is they 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 do it up big time, and it's all way overacted, and it's lots of fun, and uh, that's actually the where Steve Martin got his start was there. At, uh, oh. Yeah, if you read his, uh, he has a great biography called "Born Standing Up," and it talks about how he he developed his his uh, his routines and 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 you know and how he would adjust them from show to show. I mean, it's really it's it's sort of a how to to be a comedian, how to work you know work it like a job. I mean, going in and, and saying, "Here's what you need to do to get better," and and understanding that when you bomb that you learn from that as to what works and, and how to adjust your timing and uh you know and he just kept doing that and and he kind of viewed his comedy as a deconstruction of comedy and so uh you know which if you've ever seen like deconstruction of meals that means you take something that would be a, a recognizable meal and mess it up <laughs> and it sort of does that with comedy but it's uh it's a really good book and he started there that's where he talks about one of his first jobs was working at the uh, at the melodrama stage there inside of Knott's Berry Farm. So cool, very cool. And he learned that it's okay to put an arrow through your head. It is absolutely all right. <laughs> yes, that's you know what right. comic I never understood was Gallagher. <laughs> I never understood his whole shtick was like smashing things. Sledgeomatic. You know that was exactly. his, that's what he got known for. He actually did other comedy, but people, um, uh, you know, that's what they remember is the sledgeomatic. And you're right; that by you itself know. was like okay. It was just I think it was just the shock value of like I'm going to you know take a cantaloupe and splatter it on the on the first three rows. Um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Leo Anthony you know. Gallagher Jr. was his name or is his name. He's 74 years old. He's still around. I mean, he's, you know, I don't think he's at doing any, or he's not performing anymore because he's 74 years old. Uh, <laughs> do you know he graduated from South Florida with a chemical engineering degree? That's funny. Did he really? Yeah. That yeah. is funny. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Weird Al went to UC Santa Barbara. I think that's where, like, and because yeah. I think I read something. I'm trying to remember. I think it was UC Santa Barbara, you know, where he was. He was this weird guy in the in the dorms that was, you know, making up, making up songs and you know, or, you know, making yeah. up lyrics and Turned he it was into doing that back then. Yeah, and he's done a great. He's, I mean, he's wicked talented. So he's a he's had a really nice career, and his band is actually really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like these guys can really play. So, yeah. Yeah, you well, know. that's like that was the joke with the uh, the Blues Brothers, right? Is that you know here's these two comics out there singing, and the the uh, uh, the band behind them is like some of the best studio blues musicians in the world. <laughs> they would go out on tour with like these fantastic musicians and and two comics as their front men. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't just comics. It was it was Belushi and Aykroyd. I mean, right. That is. Yeah. yeah. Well, comic know. royalty, but they didn't start out there, you know. But That's yeah, true. that was actually a spinoff of a of a of a, a skit they did on on Saturday Night Live, you know, which mm-hmm. sort of started the trend of Saturday Night Live uh, short skits being turned into movies um, over the years and, and to to various and levels of success. They 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't. Yeah. Some of them you're going like, Have that wasn't even a good skit. How on earth did they get a movie deal for that? You know? <laughs> like, for what? I said, some of them you look at them and go like, that wasn't even a good yes. skit. How did they get a movie deal for that? You know? I mean, some yes, of them were I... hilarious and you go, that's a terrific skit. And it may or may not translate to an entire movie. But some of them weren't yes. very good skits. And it's like, really? You're going to take that really? and turn it into a movie? Like Night at oh. the Roxbury. Yeah. The whole oh. thing was them, you know, dancing funny, like knocking their heads back, you know, back and forth. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the whole skit was these guys standing at a bar, basically, like, <laughs> shaking their heads to the beat of this music, you know? And it's like, and you're going to turn that into a movie. What is love? Yeah. Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. And that no was the song. More. What is love? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So God. they could be three wild and crazy guys. Exactly. From Czechoslovakia. Yeah. But, you know, Wayne's World worked. Wayne's World really worked. Really worked well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, you think about how that skit was set up and they did it various times. There was a whole bunch of different twists on them being in their you know mom's basement shooting this yeah you know uh exactly uh public access television and so uh that you know there was something to build off of there and that well and again just wicked talented guys doing it so um, yes you know and i think it helped relaunch uh, rob lowe's career because he had the cameo in there oh yeah yeah he plays that smarmy kind of um uh, uh-huh. guy that's hitting on on wayne's girlfriend right Yes. So, well, uh, and he also had a cameo in, uh, or had a role, not a cameo, a role in Tommy Boy. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and he did yeah. You know, it's funny. He's Tommy he's Boy, never he's never been afraid, at, even though he's you know some people like put him in that he's a pretty boy kind of actor. I mean, he's he's a very handsome leading man, gentleman. Uh, you know, even even today he's on that. Um, uh, was it nine one one Texas or Dallas or something like that. Um, you know, he's, he's a good looking guy, but he's never been afraid of making fun of the fact that, you know, Hollywood has these good looking guys and he can be one of them where yes. they'll just kind of parody that. And so he's, he's had a, a very grounded sense of self when he does takes those kind of roles, um, which I personally enjoy, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every, every once in a while you'll see, um, uh, Brad Pitt do something like that too, you know? Where he'll he'll just make fun of the fact that everybody thinks of him as this you know leading man, handsome face, and so he's done that over the years. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know if you, you can't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> if you listen to your <laughs> if you listen to your own um, you know propaganda, then then you you know you're in trouble. Yeah, I was looking yeah, at Weird screwed. Al here trying to see if it uh, yeah exactly. See if I have a little bit of history of him and where he. Uh, uh, yeah, look it up because I'm, I'm driving, so I can't. But yeah, I seem to remember it was it was UC Santa Barbara. I could be wrong, but um, I seem to remember that's what it, the school that it was. Um, uh, yeah, he's obviously wicked talented uh, and smart. Mm. I, you know, I I I like listening and and I like being entertained by smart people. You know, yeah. um, I like Dave Chappelle for that reason. Oh, love Dave! Don't Chappelle. always agree with him, but. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, he's not afraid to speak in his mind. I love it. Yeah, not at all. Never has been. He's probably one of the most fearless comedians out there. And that's a tough thing these days. You know, I mean, it's always been tough. You think about some of the comedians that were coming up, like, uh, you know, in the 50s and how prudish America was. Yeah, and Lenny Bruce. And, you know, I mean, he had his own demons that he had to slay. But he was, you know, you literally would get up on stage, do your bit, knowing that you might spend the night in jail because, you know, you said something that offended the sensibilities of, of the, you know, the police in the area or the mayor or whatever. And so, you you know, and he just knew that. That was just part of the, you know, cost of doing business, basically. Um, um, you know, and eventually the cost was too high for him. But, uh but, um, you know, today with, with uh, the cancel co- culture running amok and, uh, and you know, online commentary, immediate, you know, almost live as you're on stage, people are, are tweeting out what you're saying and, 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 uh, and picking you apart. It's difficult to, uh, to, to stay that fearless, right? And uh, I appreciate yeah. people like... Um, like Dave Chappelle, who just say, no, this is this is what I do. And, you know, you don't like it. then you know, don't don't come to my show. Don't don't, you know, change channels. If don't you see, watch me on television. Yeah, exactly. And as we have talked about, you know, this is the most of this cancel culture crap is not real. There are people who are professionally offended. That is their job. They are mm-hmm. their 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 raison d'etre is to. Uh, increase their profile by calling you out on made-up stuff. I'm serious. They'll blow things out of proportion. Don't let them do it. Yeah. Speak your mind because it's the only thing, the only buffer we have against totalitarianism Mm -hmm. because people, once they realize they have that power, they use it. Yeah, well, they ride on the coattails of somebody who's famous for actually doing something. You know, or or famous for actually having talent, and so they'll ride on those coattails yeah. by then picking on people who are already well known for doing something. They'll they'll then pick at something that person says, you know, using that other person's fame to to put shine on themselves. And yes. uh, you know, the, uh, and, I've always felt like a lot of the Hollywood it. reporters do that, and you know, because they're in it for getting their own attention, and that's how they do it is by by you know riding the coattails of somebody who's already famous. But this is just a more insidious yes. way of doing that. Yes. Oh, I, I, the whole like Us Magazine, um, you know, all of the people. Entertainment Tonight, all People Magazine, all of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a parasitic industry. Mm-hmm. TMZ. Um, and so you've got, you've got to, yeah, TMZ definitely. Although I got to be honest, TMZ breaks a heck of a lot of stories. They you know. do, but all their, you know, like hijacking people as they get out of their car to go eat dinner and stuff oh, yeah. is just, you know. Yeah, that's Or as okay. they get off an airplane that's... is, you know, shove a mic in somebody's face as they're getting off the airplane in the airport. It's like, really? Leave them alone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They're with their family. Go away. Yeah. When they're in a official press yeah. thing, go to that. Yeah. To their uh, credit, that's... I will say that I have not seen them like chasing somebody down when they're like, you know, with their kids and stuff. Whereas a lot of those, um, like you mentioned us and, and people and those kind of things, you know, they'll show photos of, you know, somebody like out on, you know, shopping for, for school clothes with their kids and stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that's not good. That's no bueno. The kids aren't famous. And, and very often the parents don't want pictures of their kids in the news because that's not, you know, I mean, quite honestly, it's not safe. You know, it's bad enough that they, you know, you know what they look like. 
but you know if their if their kids are out somewhere, you don't want the kids to become a target just because now you've plastered their picture all over the place. Um, and TMZ, I mean, not that I watch it a lot, but but when I've seen it on, um, you know, I've not seen them do that. They tend to focus on the person who is the famous person, not you right. know the family and friends that happen to be with them as they're going to the meal, and they try not to put them on screen because, you know. I don't know. I think a lot of the, a lot of the um, actors and actresses too have gotten to the point where when they see the TMZ guy come walking over, instead of you know ducking and fighting and arguing, they just smile and give them a couple minutes and then go on their merry way, and that way everybody's happy. Yep. So I just uh, you know again for cancel culture, there are people whose power comes from um, shaming others. Yeah. You know, think of Game of Thrones and the high set the high sparrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that whole thing, their, their power comes from the way that they control you based on some always moving, um, uh, orthodoxy. I mean, you can't even, you can't even, um, make, uh, follow the rules because the rules are always changing. There would, and, and you're giving your power, we as a collective culture are giving power to people who will, who will. Do whatever they have to do to keep that power. Absolutely. Don't give it to them. Yeah. Don't and, give it to them. Well, and like you said, too, the, the standards are whatever they decide they are in the moment, right? And so exactly. there are no standards. Um, so there's no reasoning or dealing with people like that because they, they make it up as they go along. And, and it's whatever they want it to be so that they can, uh, you know, get the, the maximum uh, attention on themselves. Have you seen the movie Bowfinger? Oh, yes. Love Bowfinger. Honestly, one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies. And Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin, just awesome. Just awesome. Eddie Murphy plays this very, very famous actor. And this actor is, he's a member of this group called Mindhead, which is, I think it's supposed to be Scientology. Oh, yeah. They're they're clearly, they're parodying Scientology. Yes. Absolutely. And Eddie Murphy's character believes everything is racist everything is racist. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and this and this is a recurring thing. Well, one of his and, characters. He has two characters. Well, that's true. He has two characters. That's true. He does. What what it is, is Steve Martin is a, a really bad director and he makes, a, he makes uh, he's trying to make a movie on the cheap um, and he wants his big name actor, but he can't afford him. And so he films this big name actor played by Eddie Murphy um, when he doesn't know he's being filmed, he doesn't know what's happening, right? Yeah, he's, he's like going to lunch or something, and they'll get video yes. of him getting out of his car and walking into a building. <laughs> yes, and so, um, and then they hire a lookalike, also played by Eddie Murphy. Yeah, actually, it turns um, out to be his twin brother. Yes, and so it, it's it's a it's a funny movie, funny commentary yeah. on on Hollywood. Yeah. But, oh, and Heather uh, Graham plays this. Oh, she's so. She's she, so bad. She's, she's a climbing, an actress who wants to climb up, and she keeps like, oh, she's she's dating the lighting guy, and then she finds out the lighting guy is not as important as the, as the sound guy. So then she's dating the sound guy, and then she finds out that he's not as important as the director. So then she's dating the director, and then a few minutes later, you find out, oh, now she's dating the producer because he's the guy who's really behind. <laughs> it's like, yes, she, yeah, yeah. And Christine Baranski is in it. It's just so I, good. I think her character is based on Anne Hache. Remember her? She was like, oh yeah. And she was with a woman, then she was with... I think she was with Ellen DeGeneres. Before yeah, she was, Robin. yeah. And um, anyway, it's, it, is, it is a wonderful commentary on Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and the character, this Eddie Murphy character, everything's racist, no matter what, everything's racist. And it's like, it, it, he, he obviously, it's a parody on people who are like that. They, if you, if, if you are, if you decide that everything's racist always, that's the lens through which you will experience everything. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's on you. That's not on the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of people in this movie too. Robert Downey Jr.'s in this movie, Terrence Stamp. Um, I mentioned Christine Baranski, who's awesome. But yeah, Kit Ramsey is Eddie Murphy is the star, and his his twin brother, who's a little little dim, is Jif Ramsey. <laughs> and Bobby K. Bowfinger is Steve Martin. Oh, it's just it's just yeah. Intelligent yeah, you, comedy. Yeah, if you have never ever watched this film, um, Bowfinger is is. It's it's such a good spoof, but it's like so many. It, it makes fun of so many like Hollywood types. The, these classic types that you see in Hollywood of people like you said the the young actress who will do anything to keep climbing up the ladder to get more stuff. And then the the uh, you know the you, you know where do you hear about there being Scientologists? They're all Hollywood people. Is where you hear yes. about it. You know, it's like it's it's very Southern California based thing, right? And yes. so Mindhead is the organization that they. You know, it's like the actor has to, like, check in with the head of Mindhead to see if he should or shouldn't do this movie or that movie or whatever. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's so good. So good. Um, so, yeah. And they, they you know, they, the, the penultimate scene shot at the Griffith Observatory because they could get in there free. <laughs> yeah. Chubby Rain. Chubby, chubby rain. rain. That's right. It yeah. was chubby rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, that's the name of the movie that he's trying to film. Chubby rain. It's a sci-fi <laughs> alien invasion movie. <laughs> it's just, oh, awesome. it, it's hilarious. Yeah, definitely. And we're talking about it. Obviously, we're laughing just thinking about it. If you've not watched Bowfinger, um, it is worth the time to sit down and watch Bowfinger. Um, it's you know Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy just on top of their game. Um, yes. and, and like I said, the supporting cast is, is just phenomenal. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. Like his, his, uh, his crew that he has running around with films and they're all, uh, you know, like illegal Im- immigrants who are basically working for food. Yes, <laughs> because he can't pay union wages cause he doesn't have any money. <laughs> yeah. He has no money. So, uh, so yeah, he, uh, he's like, you know, cooking for them. They're all staying at his house. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, apparently, there is a, uh, a an antitrust lawsuit against Amazon that might actually have some teeth. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I've not heard about this one. So, um, DC's attorney general is suing Amazon over a policy of theirs that, to me, is really problematic. I mean, I compare that to the anti the the, the lawsuit against, you know, between Apple and Epic, mm-hmm. and which to me sounds like, you know, that's, it, it, it seems like a no-brainer. Um, but this one, uh, meaning that it's going to go in Apple's favor, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine is suing Amazon for engaging in any competitive acts that he says have raised prices and stifled innovation. So this is what uh, the complaint accuses them of doing. Mm-hmm. Um Uh, It accuses Amazon of abusing its market position by requiring, in practice, 
that third party party sellers offer their products for the same price if they sell them elsewhere. This has raised the price of goods overall, um, uh, which means D.C. residents are paying more than they otherwise would. Yeah. Now, Um, the thought is, is that they would sell it for less money on Amazon. I think Amazon put the policy in place to make sure that they're not charging more on Amazon. Yes. That's why it exists. They put the policy there because they didn't want people charging, you know, uh, five dollars if you buy it on our website. But it's seven dollars if you buy it through Amazon. Yeah, but yes. But here's the thing. I mean, the market is what the market is. If you can get more money for and I'm sure Amazon takes a cut. Sure. So, if you're, you know, if you can get more money, if the market will bear more money at this store than that store, then that's right. retailers are people are whole, you know, manufacturers do that all the time. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, you know, sure. that things are different prices at different stores. That's why people shop around. Yeah. And, and they could very Amazon could solve this whole thing by just changing their wording from the same price as sold elsewhere to no more than sold elsewhere. I, I say it's none of their business. But yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, it, but it's their store and they built it. They can build the rules just like Apple can. And if you don't like it, then don't sell through Amazon. But I, but I don't, I don't think that they should have the ability to control because Apple's not controlling what Epic does off of Apple. This is this is Amazon controlling what that seller, third party seller, does elsewhere. No, they're it's not. They're saying business. they're saying that you, if whatever you do elsewhere, you have to you have to match that here. Is all they're saying. That'd be like, you know, Walmart can say, if you're going to sell something in our store, we're going to sell it for X price, right? We're not going to sell it for, you know, we'll decide what the price I, is, not you. No, I, I don't like that. Well, because the third-party seller, when you when, when you go to Walmart, mm-hmm. um, Walmart, you know, that put the put the stuff, uh, uh, yes, you've negotiated the price or whatever, but there, yeah. there are different prices at Walmart than Target all the time as things go right. up and down. Stores have lost leaders. Amazon does this where they'll drop the price on some things and raise the prices on others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think it's any of Amazon's business to tell a third-party seller what, yeah. they can, what they can charge for their own product. Well, and, that, and that's market. sort of the key thing there is third-party seller because there is no analog to that for Target and Walmart because things in tar- Target and Walmart aren't sold on consignment by a third party. Everything that Amazon and or, uh, that Walmart and Target sells is stuff that they have purchased into inventory at one price, and then they can sell it at whatever price they want. They can sell it at a loss if they want. Usually, they don't. They mark it up so they can make money on it. Right? That's their business. Yes. Um, and, Amazon's and it, a little different because they do that as well as letting, say, you or me sell something through Amazon if we wanted to. Right. And here's the thing: if it if it's if it's priced out of the market. The, the the seller the third party seller will, will drop the price that's that's how capitalism works so if if the sellers on Amazon uh, or if the buyers on Amazon aren't buying your product um, they're buying somebody else's product um, you know if you still want it to be on Amazon because it's the largest store on the planet right but but you know, it, it, you're going to want to drop the price. Okay. Do so you think, think though, that, and I think you know, just playing devil's advocate here, uh, Amazon's a little worried about the fact that what people could do is put it on Amazon, price it higher, and then in the comments down below, pretending to be a buyer, say, hey, I bought this through their website directly for less. And so they use it as an advertising thing, pushing people to their own sales thing, and then Amazon doesn't get a cut. Yeah, well, I don't know. Do you? I, I maybe, maybe, but I, you know, that's. I mean, that's, it, it, you can. People still do that, where you could say, "Well, yeah, but I got this at this other place um, for right. for less." I mean, when I shop, 
because I have Amazon on my browser because I do. I love Amazon. Yeah. So when I shop at <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm an Amazon addict five. too. Yeah. If I, I shop at, I don't know, Big Five, maybe I right. want hiking boots or REI. I will right. get a pop-up that says Amazon has this for this price. Mm-hmm. And so Amazon does that same crap too. Yeah. That's just capitalism. Yeah. See, and I don't get that. I block all that stuff because I don't want it. But I'll tell you this. I will pay more at Amazon just because Amazon is better at taking my order and actually giving me my product when they say they will. Yeah. I can't tell you how many things I've ordered from online stores for other companies and things show up in a week or so-ish. Uh, and, and you know, they, they bill me. I've had them bill me wrong. Um, you know, or or things say they're supposed to be here in three days and they take three weeks. And, and Amazon, while they're not perfect, if they say it's coming tomorrow, it almost always comes tomorrow or at the very least a day later. They're really good at taking orders and giving you what you want. And I don't mind paying a smidge more on occasion for things uh, if, if they're not the best price, just because I trust that they will actually do what they say they're going to do and have done for multiple, multiple times. Yep. Um you know. I like Amazon too. I yeah. mean, it's it's usually I will buy on Amazon for that same reason because I want mm-hmm. it when they say they're going to deliver it. Because if they say it's coming on Tuesday, it's coming on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, they're real good about that. I will say I get a little frustrated once in a while because on the page where the product is, it says you know you know same day delivery or delivery tomorrow, and then there's times when you go to check out and they say, well, actually, to, we're going to give it to you two days from now. Okay, <laughs> so that makes me so angry. Or yeah. You go to you you buy something and you get to check out this item is no longer in stock, right? And it's like, well, then why didn't you tell me that two seconds ago when I clicked that I wanted it? Yeah, did it actually just sell out or you just you no? Know, My yeah, guess I is don't think it so. And and often too, you could times you could buy it from a different seller because uh, Amazon does this thing where they warehouse it for you, so you sell it, uh, but it's coming it ships from Amazon, so Amazon right. sells stuff them their own stuff. But there's also things that Amazon warehouses and ships from Amazon, even though you're buying it from somebody else. And so, you know, vendor A may be out of it, but vendor B still has it, and it's still coming from Amazon. So you just have to go back and and change your, you know, reload the page sometimes and stuff. But you're right. There's certain little quirky things that are a little irritating that you wish they would just, like, automatically handle. Do you know my biggest pet peeve is when I – because I buy clothes online Mm -hmm. because it's just – I don't have time to shop, and I'm not a big fan of shopping – so I'll buy clothes online. I have people, stores that I, I know their clothes fit me. And so, um, you know, and I'll do a search for here's my size, here's the color that I want, whatever. And I will, you know, they'll come up with all the things that they say are my size. And I go through and I try to purchase things out of my size, out of my size, out of my size. It's like, okay, fix your search function because I don't have time for this crap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said you had it that when I did the search. But then when I actually look at it, it's not there, meaning the search is is, is not as smart as it sounds, right? Because it only right. finds the item. It doesn't actually put in the size, even though you gave it the size. It'd be right. nice if they could search that as well. You know, yes. certainly they have the information. And I agree. I've had that same thing happen when you're, you know, looking for something. And anything that has a, a, a size or a color or a, um, you know, a some variables that like a drop down, you know, like one page and they sell this but there's different versions of it anything like that um you have to be careful because you know you might want the the you know the the one that's in green and so you click on the green one and that one's out of stock but they you know they brought you to the page and there's blue ones and it's like but i don't want a blue one i wanted a green one you know right uh you know it's got to match the other green one that i have you know right <laughs> it's like i i don't you know i don't want a green and blue one i want i want two green ones 
Right. Um, I want black pants, not polka dotted pants. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad they've got my size in, you know, in the in the, you know, bright orange Hawaiian print. But uh, <laughs> but I'm wearing this to a funeral and I really wanted them in black. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, we're on the same page there. Amazon doesn't. You know something else Amazon's been caught doing, and and there's been some real complaints about this, and I think this is going to come back and bite them, is uh, Amazon has a line of products that they sell called Amazon Basics. And they always pitch you the Amazon Basics as an alternative when you're looking for something, if they sell in that area. So, like, say you want to buy Energizer batteries. You'll get a thing popping up saying, Amazon Basics batteries, you know, do the same thing, you know, on the screen, they'll, you know, as an alternate. Somewhere on the screen, they'll have these things. And they're cheaper because they're Amazons. But Amazon knows exactly how much of what is selling. And so they will, you know, because they sell it. And so anything that's selling and doing well, they will come out with an Amazon Basics version of it fairly short order and then put that out there as an alternative and when you search for you know that uh here's a flashback when you search for that izod shirt uh <laughs> the you know you'll you'll get an amazon basics shirt as an option and it'll be the first thing that pops up the izod shirt will be in the list somewhere too but the amazon basics shirt will look just like it except it'll have a slightly different logo and it'll be a lot cheaper um and you know and there's a lot of vendors who've come back and said hey that's really not fair that you know you're selling your own house brand and 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 when people go looking for us you show you first and then you show us and that's not cool you know like when you're searching and I put in I want an Izod shirt and the first thing that pops up is the Izod like Amazon Basics shirt Izod I think has has basis for saying hey guys that's that's being a little you know a little, a little too predatory. aggressive yeah yep. that's a little too aggressive and you're you're eating into our biz, you know. Now there's a lot of people who would look at that and go, "Yeah, I don't want the knockoff. I want the real Izod shirt. I want the real fake Izod shirt." Because it's nice to. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I want it in hot pink to go with my hot pink glasses. Right. Uh, you know, and my and... Madras shorts. Yeah, my yeah, <laughs> my super short tennis shorts. <laughs> oh no, oh, dolphin my... shorts. Remember the yeah, dolphin I'll shorts? Richard Simmons. Yeah. The dolphin shorts that basically preppy. go on like a diaper. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was thinking the preppy long Madras shorts, you know, the the uh, the plaid ones, like pink and green plaid to go with your pink eyesod. Yeah. And you yeah. wear hirachis with them. Yeah, or and... dockers without socks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that time somewhere there are photos of me dressed in almost that exact outfit. <laughs> I do my best to hide them. I have several eras of pictures that I do my best to hide. There aren't very many pictures of me in high school either because um, at one point in time I, I had a very 70s haircut because <laughs> it was, was the it tail end of the 70s. Oh, was I also have – oh, I have – I have. there's a picture floating around to me too, a family picture uh, where, where uh, Tobin and my dad and I, the three boys in the family, there was my dad and two boys and my mom and two girls. There's four kids. The boys all got perms, and we all looked like the Brady Bunch circa, you know, 1970, whatever. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And, of course, uh, I was a swimmer, and so mine basically with the chlorine in the water frizzed out into a horrible mess. I looked like um, like, uh, like um, uh, Art Garfunkel on speed. I mean, it just <laughs> – like I'd stuck my I finger think- in a light socket. It was horrible. And- Anybody who lived through that era has Brillo pad hair pictures floating around. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It is just, yeah. I'm like, what on earth were we thinking? 
you know. As I recall, I'm going to blame my mother. I think it was her idea for a family She's picture. For She's a family picture. Let's and I'm, blame her. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she'll deny it, I'm sure. But, you know, she's old. She revises history in her mind all the time. Yeah, I'm so. sure she held you down and put the rollers in your hair. Pretty much. That was how I recall <laughs> it was. I mean, remember, I was a guy who, you know, my mother was a hair cutter when I, you know, when she was uh, younger. And so she cut our hair growing up for a long time. She finally quit cutting mine because she would, like, just even up my bangs or, or like, and I would wear a baseball cap for a week and complain. So she just finally said, forget it. I'm not going to do this anymore. Because <laughs> there was no thankfulness at all coming from her child. Um, yeah. So I'm like, oh, well. Uh, what know. were we thinking? I and know. we thought we looked so cool back in the day. Yeah. And we didn't. No, we did not. We did not. <laughs> you know, you know, there are some, you know, you like you look at that, you know, everybody has that era. And I, I wondered about those people who like went through that, that punk era where you like, created mohawks and stuff remember faux hawks for those who didn't want the full mohawk to yes and i'm like yeah that's the picture you're gonna look at someday and go oh wow <laughs> i have to say though i mean I, I think i people who had the courage to actually punk out their hair i think it's pretty cool i still would look <laughs> back at that and say it's cool because you're okay. just kind of you know doing your own thing whereas yeah. you know for for me i was the dopey girl trying to follow the trends yeah i didn't have the courage to 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 go full punk yeah, well, my my rebellious was was wearing like you know green suede high top Nike basketball shoes. That was that was as wild and great because I could take those off. It didn't like permanently mess up my my look for a period of time. Yeah, well, and as a swimmer too. I mean, hair really. I'm going to spend time worrying about how my hair looks. That's it true. usually looks chlorinated and 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 somewhat combed, but not much. That was it. You know, I did the whole shake off, run your fingers through it, and say, what's next for decades. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So we are out of time. We are, but it's been fun. We'll be back tomorrow having more fun. We hope that you'll join us here on Back from the Brink as we uh, sort of celebrate our last week of being the after show for On the Brink Radio because On the Brink Radio is ending this week. And so uh, we'll be moving to a weekly podcast here um uh, in the coming week, I guess. And so um, we're not quite sure exactly which day we're going to broadcast and put it out there, but we'll announce that when we make it available. So um, stay tuned. Thanks for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody.